Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Faith Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Preslick. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. And we're closing out the top 10s of the 10 series, where, uh, Jess, we're going to be breaking down our top 10 actor performances of the 10 in episode 77 of our podcast. Are you ready? I am ready. We've been doing this series for a little while now. It kind of led <laughs> really into 2020. Um, so it's time to to wrap it up and get into you know the the new decade. Even though so far it's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, we've been doing this for a little while. We got sidetracked with you know a couple other topics. We needed we needed to dish on Love Is Blind. <laughs> we need to talk road trip movies when I was there, and you know we were dealing with a little you know little world crisis happening so um <laughs> let's let's close out our top tens of the tens and then uh we really want to hear from you guys what are some topics you want to hear from us we have some ideas for some things coming up uh on the podcast but please feel free to reach out to us on social media uh leave a comment on youtube uh we're going to be doing these youtube zoom episodes uh for now and uh Feel free to reach out to us, like I said, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, email, whatever you like. Uh, we'd love to do topics you want to hear, or we'd love to just hear your uh, opinions on what we thought and what were your top tens of the tens for a lot of these, whether it's movies, shows, or performances. But uh, yeah, Jess, before we get rolling, uh, what else have you been watching since the last time we recorded? Okay, so I have to be really honest. I haven't <laughs> been watching much because I've been really, really addicted to Animal Crossing. <laughs> That's okay. You don't it's... have to feel bad for <laughs> not watching content. <laughs> it's more like I feel bad because Animal Crossing is now my life. It's my <laughs> existence. <laughs> my, my island is everything. Um, yeah, so I'm a little late to the Animal Crossing bandwagon. I know a lot of people have jumped on it long ago. Um, we had pre-ordered it, but because of everything going on, uh, Amazon deemed it non-essential, which now that I have it, I, I very much have to argue with that. It's very essential to my <laughs> life. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's like, it's just perfect. It's just uh, the sweetest, cutest, most low stakes, good vibes video game ever. And I am just zoned in on it. Um, so it's really hard to pull me away. So <laughs> I, I really haven't been watching much. Um, but what I have been watching is um, the movie Nosferatu, which is a silent era film. It's basically the first um, rendition in cinema of Dracula. So that was really interesting to watch that. I really enjoyed it. I am, like I've said in previous episodes, I'm trying to like go back and watch a bunch of just like movies I've never seen before. Um, and I really do like a lot of older movies. I've been on a kick with it lately. So yeah, Nosferatu, um, it's just one of those weird cinematic classics, especially in horror. And then the other movie I watched is completely different. And that is Harmony Corinne's Beach Bum starring Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> which, yeah, total all opposite right, of Nosferatu. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it is said actually, but it's not said by Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. 
Someone There's else. No, it's not it. like that that movie he was in where Gary Oldman plays a little person, is it? <laughs> no, Tiptoes, iconic. <laughs> no. I still need to see that. Oh my god. Yeah, anyone listening right now, you need to pause this and go look up the trailer for the early aughts classic Tiptoes um, <laughs> with Gary Oldman in a role like you've never seen him before. <laughs> That's what they say in the trailer. In a role yeah, yeah. You've never seen before. <laughs> oh, is he offensively playing a little person? Uh, I don't know why I would have seen that before. <laughs> God. Uh okay. I mean, you still watched a few things on top of your Animal Crossing farming. I did, yeah. And actually, I really did enjoy Beach Bum more than I thought I would. Um, if you like Spring Breakers, you would definitely like this. It's a definitely weird, kooky, very Harmony Corinne-style movie, but I liked it. Um, and then in terms of TV, I watched the documentary series on Netflix called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And this story is bonkers. It's like like it's frustrating and intense and weird and it has a little bit of everything um it's basically about these two drug chemists who worked in this the state department's like testing labs that would test drugs for like criminal cases so if someone was caught with like cocaine the cocaine would be sent there and they would test it and these two people in the state of massachusetts at the same time on different ends of the state were just super corrupt with the system. One was like absolutely abusing all the drugs and was just hopped out of her mind all the time while doing these tests, which is wow. crazy. And then this other woman was just like committing fraud left and right. Um, so yeah, it's insane. It's just, I've never heard of a story like it. I've never even really paid attention to like that part of the justice system. So it's really interesting to learn about that. Um, so yeah, if you like true crime, if you like your law and orders, if you like you know, weird scandals, definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. All right. Well, don't feel too bad, Jess, because like I have not been watching much either. Um, I didn't watch any new movies since the last time we recorded. Um, mainly been watching TV. I watched a few episodes of the show Forged in Fire. That's a bladesmith and forging show on History Channel. It's like top, uh, like Master Chef, but with bladesmiths and blacksmiths Interesting. <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome they're just like all right you're gonna make a knife out of these golf clubs <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah and they're just like have to burn down the golf clubs and figure out how to use it it's it's a great show um i watched a few episodes of that i uh have been still uh chugging my way along through Shit's Creek. I just finished season three, started season four. Um, Patrick and David got together, so. Yeah, aw, it's the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aw. Uh, so yeah, uh, and then finally, mostly what I've been watching the last uh, week or so since we recorded was uh, Better Call Saul. I've picked back up. I am on season four. I'm I think I'm about a little over halfway through the season. I'm on about episode seven, eight, nine region. Uh, I had seen the first three seasons pretty much every year when the new season came out, I kept up with it. And then I kind of fell behind. And then before you know it, I was like, you know what? I'll wait for them to finish a year or so. And then I can just like binge a lot. And I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, I, I, this is why, because I've 
in about a week, I'm almost done with season four. Uh, yeah, I'm going to save to talk more about that show later because there may be someone appearing on it on my list. Who knows? Um, <laughs> spoilers, but also no spoilers. Um, yeah, Better Call Saul. I love that show. Um, if you liked Breaking Bad, I'm pretty sure you'd like Better Call Saul. Some things I like more. Some things uh, I do think it can improve upon. But either way, it's incredible television. And yeah, so that is what I've been watching. Um, should we go ahead and dive right in? Yeah, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, TV, uh, we were just talking about, we mainly watched, you know, I watched some movies, I watched some TV. Um, uh, one thing that I still found interesting about last episode, we had four matches for our top 10 performers i'm curious if we have any matches if not maybe multiple today but just what are your top five tv performers from 2010 to 2019 all right so my list is very interesting and i would be surprised <laughs> if i think you i i'll just see if we have any similarities i don't know about that but um i'll just go through it uh my number five is kind of a rogue pick but i had to like once I like really thought about it, I was like, yeah, I feel confident about this choice. My number five is actually Jesse Plemons on Fargo season two. Um, I was just, I don't know. That was one of those performances to me that like I, like I said in the last episode, if you can't really imagine any other actor in that role, that means like they were the best for it. And that's what I feel about him. I feel like that this was a really hard cho choice because Fargo has so many incredible performances, um, but this character was just so layered and so interesting because he's sort of playing this like dopey, pudgy, like average Joe who all of a sudden has to take on this like leadership role and this like almost like bad guy kind of role. And he really just wants to protect himself and his family and it's just it's interesting like i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed his performance specifically um so yeah number five is jesse plemons from fargo number four is ted danson on the good place i don't really think i need to say much more especially if you've seen the good place you know um number three is also very out there choice but my number three is nathan fielder in nathan for you um, Nathan for you was in my top 10 favorite TV shows of the 10s. It is honestly one of the weirdest, most unique, craziest shows I think I've watched from this last decade. If you haven't seen it, it's really hard to properly describe, but basically Nathan Fielder is playing this like weird version of himself where he's this like pseudo reality tv business guru um and he's giving like very ridiculous advice on businesses to like up their profits um and he just always has to play it in such like a straight face like he always just has to be so serious when he's selling it and he puts himself in the most ridiculous and bizarre situations because of it but like every time he just has to like go through it and like play this weird like guru just being very serious um i would highly recommend watching it every episode my stomach hurt from laughter like a, a show has not made me laugh like this in a very long time 
Um, you might have heard the show because of the whole fake Starbucks thing. So like, it, I don't even, again, I, it's one of those shows like that. I can't properly describe. You have to just see it for yourself. But his performance in it is just insane. Um, I've heard yes, nothing but good things about that show, but I haven't seen any yet. Um, you it's, should. It's I definitely want to. I think you would really like it. It's because it's just like this, like almost like, like what you were saying about Rick and Morty before, where it's like so dumb that it's so smart. Like that's what it's <laughs> like. It's like, this is the dumbest show I've ever watched, but it's so brilliant. <laughs> And yeah, especially now, like we all really could use a laugh. So like, it's a perfect show to watch, I think right now. Um, nice. It's great. Yeah, it's just, it's just so weird. And I don't like, I don't, it's, it's like I said, it's such a weird show that I don't think it like got a huge audience because I don't think they knew how to market it because it's such a weird show. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, so my number two favorite TV actor is Jeremy Strong in Succession. So he plays Kendall Another Roy. show I need to see. You really, really, really do. Like, <laughs> seriously. You like, really do. It's no, like, quite <laughs> irresponsible you haven't. <laughs> like, like, really, truly. For you, especially, because you like <laughs> Sorkin so much. Yeah. You gotta get on it and like they only have two seasons right now each season i think has like 10 episodes so it's like not a huge commitment you gotta get on it you gotta get on this game i've heard that and yeah i <laughs> everyone's like wait you like sorkin mm, you're gonna like this yeah and it was for me it was like one of those shows that like i kept hearing was really great but i just like didn't want to get into it rich white people whatever i don't need that in my life but <laughs> but when i started watching it i was like why didn't I watch it sooner? Like, I, I understand it now. I understand the hype. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but what's so interesting about the show and why I love it so much is that they make these really despicable, terrible people very lovable characters. Like, people in real, like, if you saw these people in real life, you would hate them. But on the show, like, you feel for them and you love them and you root for them. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Strong, he plays Kendall Roy, and he's basically the family fuck up, like the fa like messes up so hard. He, but he's always trying to like prove himself. Um, when the series starts, and I won't give like too much away, but when the series starts, he's basically in line to take the family company. And he just goes through this journey of being this like really weird like complex rich boy with severe daddy issues who's like always trying to prove himself to his dad but always like fighting with himself and like hating himself and it's just it's so interesting it's such an interesting dynamic like he is so cocky and then he's so self-loathing and it, it, he's just like one minute he'll be someone you want to punch in the face and then the next minute you want to give him a hug like it's just so interesting <laughs> he has to play everything and i think he does it very well and i think he gives a lot of like heart and soul to a character that you normally would hate um and he does so in a way that you're like rooting for him because he is struggling with like his own morality and you want him to become a better person and he wants to become a better person but he doesn't know how to and yet jeremy strong just plays it so so well um and then my number one choice is dan levy and schitt's creek 
Um, just, I love it. I love the performance. I love him so much. He can make the best facial expressions that like, <laughs> He, he doesn't even need to talk. Like, I still think about, have you, you've gotten to the episode where he, like, disappears, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I think, end of season one, beginning of season two-ish. Okay, yes. I still think about when they find him in that field, and he has that, like, crazy, like, mohawk hood on, and they're like, David! And he's just like, <laughs> like, just the way he's, like, posed, and he's just, the way he's staring at them, it, I still think about it, and I still think it's so funny. Um, I saw one of my favorite exchanges on that show. Uh, it was one of the last episodes of season three. So he's uh, opening the store, uh, Rose Apothecary, with, um, I'm blanking on his boyfriend's name, uh, Patrick. He's uh, opening the store, and they were like debating on whether to do a soft launch or a big launch. And basically, David wanted a soft launch and he shows up and there's this huge line and he's walking in and people are like hey no cuts like they're all being rude because they don't know he's the owner of the store and this one lady's like hey you know where do you think you're going he's like um this is my store and she's like what who the fuck are you and she's like (laughs) super abrasive and he's just like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and it was just so funny because like i think that show i forget that they can say fuck sometimes they use it sparingly and so this random woman who wants to get in so bad it's like who the fuck are you and he's just like oh my god you know like he's just so (laughs) shocked at the utter disrespect and like just overtness of this woman just like being so pissed about him potentially cutting and he's just like this is my fucking store lady like (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i can imagine exactly like how his face was when like in that moment like he's just his facial expressions of disgust and disdain are hilarious. Like he, he does such a great job at reacting. Like he's just the, he's so funny in his reactions. And he doesn't like, he didn't say like, Oh my God, as in he's scared. It was like an, Oh my God. Like at the person, like you're ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like so judgmental. I love that too about his performances is that like he can very, very well convey exactly what he means in like very short words like oh my god communicating like disgust and like you need to calm down ma'am like yeah I just love it. he's just so funny and I love that he's playing like this weird vapid character but is also very sincere at the same time and he surprisingly uh, what, what I find interesting is like at first I thought he was kind of not like one dimensional, but I was curious like the way he dressed and so forth. But then he and like Eugene Levy are often like the straight characters to like Alexis and Moira being so weird or like the town and whatnot. And so it's interesting because he's ridiculous himself, but often is like the voice of reason in a way. And so it's crazy that he can be both. Uh, I was very, I'll admit, uh, it's not on my list. I was very tempted to pick either Dan or Eugene Levy uh, (laughs) for my list. I mean, it was, yeah, it was tough between the two, but I just think, like, I don't know, Dan's just, like, weird reactions and his weird use of, like, voice and all that. Like, he, he but he can play around with that because you're right, Johnny's a little bit more, like, playing it straight sometimes than he is but yeah you're right like they like Moira and Alexis are such big weirdos 
that you kind of sometimes forget that like David is just as weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Just as weird, but then for some reason he's like the normal one. It's a weird balance. Um, and same with like Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy's often the straight character to his w family being ridiculous, but then he'll just be completely clueless at something. I'm like, oh my God, you're all like the worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love too that like David's character is played as both very bitchy, but also very lovable at the same time. Like yeah. that's almost impossible to like find a character that can be like just so abrasive and rude and say whatever they want but you also just like love them so so much um yeah i just think he's brilliant and like also like not only is he acting as david but he's like the showrunner and creator and the writer of the show and i know that's like not we're judging like or i'm ranking just the performances but like that's incredible too absolutely so um yeah, I like I said, it's funny how we had more, we both had uh, Catherine O'Hara as Moira Rose for our top five actresses uh, for TV, but we both, uh, uh, you put Dan Levy, I was very tempted to put Dan Levy, <laughs> like just barely, if there was a top 10 of TV actors specifically, he would have been on it, and then possibly Eugene Levy too. Yeah, they're just brilliant, but yeah, Catherine O'Hara, like she just... <laughs> just number one sorry <laughs> well, apparently she was both our number threes <laughs> that's true <laughs> um, um, so yeah i'll just run through it one more time just give the my list once more so my number five is jesse plemons on fargo number four to dancing on good plays number three nathan fielder on nathan for you number two is jeremy strong in succession and number one is dan levy on schitt's creek awesome and I like you had a good blend of both comedy and drama. Uh, I tried to do the same. Uh, so I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, my number five is Jonathan Banks as Mike Ehrmantraut from the, I'm going to count kind of like the end of Breaking Bad in the early two, uh, uh, 2010s to his run on Better Call Saul. Specifically, an episode I always tell people that I think he should have won the award for and the year he didn't get the award for this, uh, and it went to like uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, he was thanking everyone and he went like, and my fellow actors of Jonathan Banks, uh, <laughs> he like <laughs> called Jonathan Banks out and he was referring to like this scene, even without saying it. Um, I'm talking about season one, episode six of Better Call Saul called 5 -0. That's where we get this whole backstory of Mike Ehrmantraut, learning about his days as a cop, learning about what happened to his son. And there's a scene at the end of the episode where he gives this monologue, explaining what happened to his son, explaining it to his daughter-in-law, and he breaks down and he basically admits that like, because he wasn't strong enough, his son was killed. And he's just like, I broke my boy. And I, it, I'm almost going to get emotional just thinking about it because it was just such an incredible performance. And like Mike was always fun on Breaking Bad. He was always great on, you know, the rest of Better Call Saul, but I'll never forget that scene. And when I saw it back in like 2015, when it happened, I'm like, wow, <laughs> that should get the awards. Kind of like when we talked about why didn't Amy Adams get awards for Arrival? I'm like, why didn't Jonathan Banks 
get everything (laughs) (laughs) just for that scene alone and that whole episode uh it's almost like a mini mike movie kind of his origin on what why he ended up the way he did and yeah i thought it was incredible so that's my number five number four jumping into more of a lighthearted thing um this guy was on two different shows that have been going on during the 2010s one started in 2011 and uh the other one i believe around 08 to 2010 ish i'll have to look it up h john benjamin who does the voice of archer on archer and bob for bob's burgers i didn't know that was the same guy oh yeah oh yeah it's and there's even like a joke in an archer episode where like there's people that are like killed in a restaurant and they look like bob (laughs) (laughs) like there's little and i haven't seen enough bob's burgers to to know whether they do any archer jokes or references but that guy has been on two of the best animated shows uh as like the lead character and he plays off so well with his supporting cast on those show uh those shows uh both with uh, all the actors uh, and the family for Bob's Burgers and then all the other people involved in Archer. I just think, and he he's pretty much the same voice for both. It's not necessarily distinctively different between the performances, but his delivery is incredible. There's a reason why he got like the lead role on two of these animated shows and they're both have gone on for so long <laughs> is because he it's just incredible. I think he's one of the best voice actors uh, for like animated comedies um, considering, like you said, Bob's Burgers has been on since 2011. And then I'm going to check Archer's been on technically since 2009. So. Wow. Wow. I didn't, wow. I didn't realize it's been that long for both those shows. (laughs) Yeah. I, the fact that we were (laughs) in like high school, college when both these shows started, um, and I'm pretty sure that Bob's Burgers is still going, and I'm pretty sure Archer is still going too. So um, yeah, H. John Benjamin, incredible. Um, my number, f- let's see, I'm on to number three. Number three for TV on my list is Nikolai Coster Waldo. Hopefully, I said that right. He played Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones. Um, just like the actresses, there's so many different actors to pick on Game of Thrones. Um, he was one of the few cast members that was in every season. And I think the reason why I had to pick him uh, was two things. One was in season one and two, I hated him. Not performance, but his character. Jamie Lannister was so hated. Then <laughs> season three, this scene happens where he tells the monologue the story about how he saved king's landing because the mad king was like you need to kill your father and then he's forever hated by everyone because they think he's just someone who backstabbed the king he was supposed to protect yet he saved all these people and i'm like oh my god and a lot of that has to do with george rr martin's awesome writing from the book that was adapted to the show but that performance sold it for me because for two years I hated that character. I'm like, he's such a piece of shit. And then that happened. I'm like, Oh, I look at him completely differently. And then you can even go back to seasons one and two and start to notice little things he says before that monologue. Um, He does some questionable stuff as the show goes on. I'm going to go ahead and blame that on the writing, 
but I think that he had pretty great acting for the most part. And that was one of the few times I hated someone so much. And then he became one of my favorite characters on the show. Uh, so Nikolai Costa Waldo um, was my number three. Number two, Andre Brower uh, as Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, nice. That's a really good choice. <laughs> uh, I could have picked a lot of different actors on Brooklyn Nine-Nine from Terry Crews to Andy Samberg. But I had to go with Andre Brower because he's someone that I'd always, he seemed familiar when I started watching the show, like from other shows or movies. But good God, he's so funny. His shtick of just being so deadpan, uh, it makes it so funny when he breaks that deadpanness. Um, I just think it's an awesome performance, so funny and so believable. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, He's one of the reasons you should watch it, um, but also just the writing and the overall incredible cast. Um, and yeah, my number one is a guy who has been this character for almost the entire decade, and that is Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. <laughs> he His first episodes were around 2010. <laughs> <laughs> in Breaking Bad was a supporting role for the rest of that show and then got his own spin-off show from 2015 to now and wow someone who started in sketch comedy I had no idea could be so compelling as a dramatic actor as well but also still be hilarious it's it's such a performance that I'm like why is he not getting more recognition like uh I think that um I'm blanking on, oh, Brian Cranston obviously got all these accolades or Aaron Paul did for Breaking Bad, but Bob Odenkirk, <laughs> he's yeah. been doing this literally the, like the whole decade. There was like a year or two where he didn't play the role between shows, but the fact that he was so compelling as a supporting character, they're like, he can have his own spinoff. And then that spinoff worked. Um, a lot of it has to do with like Peter Gold and uh, Vince Gilligan's show running and the writing staff being pretty consistent like the Breaking Bad one. But a lot of it has to do putting it on the anchor of Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't see a lot of spinoffs really anymore. And this was like one of the only spinoffs I can think of of this last decade that was like super successful. And yeah, I think a lot of it does have to do with him and how he handles that character. And what's interesting is I've never seen Better Call Saul. I have not, but like I watched Breaking Bad, of course, because I'm an American. Of course I watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> like everyone did. At that I'm time. an American, so I watched Breaking Bad. We I gotta did. learn about math. <laughs> yeah. It's just required. It's just how we do it here. But like, yeah, like I, <laughs> Meth, yeah, America. Um, but I agree, I totally agree with you that, like, of course, Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, great, we, we know that, but, like, yeah, Bob Odenkirk is, like, when he came in, his character was just so, like, slimy and weird, and, like, who, who is this guy? But he just made the show a little bit more dynamic when he popped in, and he popped in, like, pretty late in Breaking Bad, right? I think it was, I think he appeared in, towards the end of season two, but only in, like, an episode or so. And then they started bringing him back in season three through uh, around uh, the second half of season five. So like he was pretty much there for over half the show. 
but yeah, he didn't really come in as a cast member till season three. Yeah, that's pretty hard to do, like come into an established show like that and become one of like the more memorable characters of the whole series. Yeah, so. to get his to get his own show. I mean, it just makes me think how like I, I bet a lot of people don't know or forget that like Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like the fact that like you said, I haven't seen many spinoff shows work and then be so good. And I just think that I they could do a movie of him. They can do another season or so of him. He's just so compelling as that character. Um, the sliminess, like you said, but also like the heart that you see as his story through Better Call Saul, like where he started and like why he is the way he is. It makes sense. Um, but like whenever he does his like lawyer, like I'm selling you on this thing. Oh my God, it's so believable. <laughs> <laughs> like I just watched this episode where like he's trying to find another job uh to like kind of like bridge between things and he goes in and he does this whole as he calls song and dance and then uh he's like i think you should offer me the job right now and they're like all right let's do it and then he just stops he's like wait that's it that's all it took like you fell <laughs> for that and they're like oh yeah he's just like well, i'm a stranger and i just like i I did that song and dance and, and you just want to hire me? Like I could be a killer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just found it so funny because it's it's so true. There are people like that who can just sell you, you know, they can sell you the shirt that you're already wearing. And I think that Saul is that, but also you root for him and so much, so much credit to Bob Odenkirk. Um, I can't wait to see what he does after Better Call Saul ends. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think he does have a lot of momentum, as does the show. And just like an observation, I feel like it's interesting that like when you think of Breaking Bad, you think of Brian Cranston, you think of Aaron Paul, you think of Bob Odenkirk, but like Jesse was like the secondary character and I feel like there was more, or there is more excitement when Better Call Saul like comes on Netflix than there was when El Camino came on Netflix. Like, I feel like El Camino kind of came and went in a matter of like two days. Yeah. And when Better Call Saul drops on Netflix, everyone's like, oh my God, this latest season. Like they're talking about it. And so it's just interesting that like, Jesse is a secondary character on it, but Better Call Saul is the thing that like got more attention as the Breaking Bad universe kind of went on. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of that can have to do with the fact that while I still really enjoyed El Camino, the movie, I think that I, I kind of wish that they did it a little closer <laughs> to when Breaking Bad came out. Not that it would necessarily make it better, but it just felt like if you hadn't watched Breaking Bad recently, like the emotional kind of like connective tissue about his journey after, I still found it really good, the acting, and I loved how the story played out. But yeah, we've been watching Better Call Saul for five years. And so... I don't want to say we forgot about Jesse, but I haven't fully watched through the show, I think, since it ended, or maybe I did once right after. Um, but yeah, I think that Bob Odenkirk, um, like I said, the fact that he does sketch shows, like he did the Netflix show with David Cross, and he was obviously on their show on HBO previously. He's usually bit parts in comedy 
things. Uh, he can be a supporting role and he can also be a leading man. I think he's very versatile. You know, he was originally supposed to be Michael Scott on The Office, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> that could... would have really been interesting. Yeah, but I feel like it just works out because this is like, like you said, like this is like one of the best performances of the decade and what he does with this character is amazing. So yeah, if we lived in a different universe, we could have had him as Michael Scott and Steve Carell as um, Saul. Who knows, you know? <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, my number five was Jonathan Banks. Uh, from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, Mike Ehrmantraut. Uh, my number four was H. John Benjamin from both Bob's Burgers and Archer. My number three was Nikolai Coaster Waldo as Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. My number two is Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Captain Holt. And then, as we just talked about, Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So we had no matches. No matches, but we'll have to see. And um, uh, if we didn't have one for that, I kind of think we won't for movies <laughs> because mine are really weird. You said that your TV ones are weird. My movie ones are all over the place. Um, yeah. My movie uh, ones are a little weird too, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump in to our top five uh, actor performances from movies of the 2010s all right so again my list is kind of weird it's all very dramatic roles now that i'm looking at it actually so i don't i don't know but let's just get into it um so my number five is philip seymour hoffman in the master the master gotta be honest is not one of my favorite movies of all times to me i i love cults I love them. I'm obsessed with cult content. Um, so I, I enjoyed seeing him as a cult leader, essentially. But to me, the master is like, it's very long. It's kind of dry sometimes. Yes, it's a beautiful film. But like, what really sticks out is his performance in it, because he is both incredibly charming and charismatic, while also being very disturbing and menacing. And I think that if it was like anyone else in that role, I don't think it, the movie would have been as impactful as it was. Um, maybe that's just my personal opinion. But I think he just brought something to it that really elevated it. Um, and it's one of his last performances. Uh, he died only two years after that, unfortunately. And that's, that's still a death that really, really gets to me. Um, so The Master came out two years before. And there were some performances in between them. But this is like one of the ones that like really packed a punch towards the end. Um, so yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. My number four is Anton Yelchin in Green Room. Um, Green oh. Room was, yeah, it's a, it, that's a rogue choice, I would say. No, I still need to see it, but I, I hear you've talked that movie up and a lot of lists have said how great it is. So yeah, uh, it's a, uh, it's definitely a movie that I've wanted to see, um, especially with the performance you're about to talk about, because that's also, so that and Patrick Stewart, everyone always talks about with that movie. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Stewart, it's, it's literally unlike anything he's ever done. It's so interesting. But Anton Yelchin's performance is really interesting because it's very dynamic. Um, he, it's interesting because when the movie first starts off, he's almost like, 
like, yeah, he's a main character, but he's not like the main focus. Like he's just kind of there. Um, we're paying attention to the other characters. And then as the story progresses, he really becomes like the leader, the one that's navigating this crazy situation. And he's put in, in these very scary situations and he's kind of has to decide things under very high pressure situation and he just sells it so well and the way he's reacting to everything that's happening is what makes the movie so horrifying and sticks with you because he's essentially like our vessel into like what's happening we're seeing it kind of through his eyes a little bit and his reactions are what what scares us and unfortunately he also passed away very young he passed away this decade in 2016 at the age of 27. He was young. And it was just one of those tragic, unexpected deaths. And that, again, along with Philip Seymour Hoffman, really gets to me. Anton was so talented and he was so young. And I felt like he had so much to offer. And some of his roles are so am amazing. Like, just his filmography is really great. And everything he's done has always been like, so dynamic um so yeah that was one of his last great performances as well and to me it just made the whole movie so much better with him in it uh my number three choice is paul dano in prisoners um so oh a prisoner's mention i almost yeah. put a role on prisoners but paul Dano, okay. Yeah, so, okay, so I also had some thinking to do on this one because I had Hugh Jackman in Prisoners on this. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about Paul Dano and his role in it, because that's really, to me, what's, what really hooked me and, like, stuck with me. Because, yes, the performances all around, everyone is so incredible. They're at the top of their game. Hugh Jackman is devastating and heartbreaking to watch, but Paul Dano adds this like extra layer to the whole situation. Um, so if you haven't seen Prisoners, you absolutely should. We both like love this movie. <laughs> we both really like it. Um, but he's interesting because he's playing, um, without giving too much away, a mentally disabled man who's been accused of like this really horrific crime. And he is you don't know like you just don't know his situation really you don't know if he's like good or bad and you're not totally sure if you should like believe him or not um you don't know if you should like hate him or for, feel really bad for him um for most of the movie really and what's also interesting about the way he plays it is he plays like this very interesting juggle of like very very innocent and also very very creepy and that's really hard to do especially when you're playing almost like a potential villain or like someone around this crime and I also really do appreciate too that even though he is playing someone mentally disabled it is never for a second like hokey or gimmicky like it's never like overdone it's incredibly subtle and nuanced and feels very realistic um so yeah paul dano he's uh, honestly i feel to, like he's very underappreciated oh very very much so uh and to quote tropic thunder he did not go full retard <laughs> oh wow <laughs> um <laughs> no i I'm very shocked by that pick because like, okay, so like I almost put Hugh Jackman 
uh, for prisoners. But then I was like, you know what? I wanted to put Jake Gyllenhaal for prisoners. Uh, he plays Detective Loki, um, who he d- has like this nervous, th- this tick, like this like kind of twitch, and uh, he I thought was very compelling in that movie. Uh, all, a lot of just stellar acting in that movie all around. But yeah, Paul Dano, a kind of a role I forget that he does because like you said, it's he barely gets to speak. He's very withdrawn. And like you said, there's a blend of hating him, but then also feeling bad for him. So, wow, uh, interesting choice, but I'm glad to see. If we could just mention Prisoners like every few episodes, uh, it's a really intense movie, but incredible. It's incredible. Like, honestly, we could do a whole episode on it. Like, truly. And it is very intense. It's it's kind of hard to watch sometimes, but, like, it's just, it just gets you. I don't know. And, yeah, like I, like I said, all the performances are so excellent, and I originally did have Hugh Jackman, but then thinking about it more, Paul Dano had this extra layer of, like, dealing with this very horrific circumstance that everyone else did, but he had this layer of trying to navigate it with a mental disability and how would someone who's developmentally challenged handle be able to handle the world around him let alone when it's so heavy and so dark um so yeah his performance just for me like is what sealed the whole movie because it's just so so many emotions come out of it and i I don't want to give anything away but like it's very impactful to me when you think about the whole scope you think about him too. Um, So my number two performance will probably come as no surprise to anyone. It is Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. I love Get Out. I've talked about it all the time on this this show. I I talk about Get Out a lot, so I won't get too, too much into it. But the thing about Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out is that he is so extremely layered in this performance because he has to play cool and calm and everything's fine on the surface like he's he's trying to impress his girlfriend's parents and like be fine with the situation everything's good but underneath he is very on edge and uncomfortable and you can kind of tell the two happening at the same time which is like really difficult to to be able to do that and do it very well and be able to react to different things with both those layers at the surface like everything's fine but like oh I don't like this but like nah it's cool like we're just gonna keep moving on but like yikes like it's it's just so interesting to look back and see like what he does with that um and yeah he's just like Anton Yelchin in Green Room like he is pretty much our vessel to this whole movie like we are seeing it through his eyes and he does such a great job of like being the audience's like eyes and like guide her through this movie while also being like a very complex character. Um, And yeah, he's just constantly having to like react to everything around him in a way that just feels really perfect. Like very perfect to have to like, like that party scene where he's like trying to play cool with all the subtle racism, but like you can tell he hates it so much. And then having to react when things get crazy and like, realizing the situation like his reactions are just perfect um I don't think he's been in enough since Get Out he was in Widows which was really good and very underrated um I just want to see more Daniel Kaluuya in my life um and then my number one choice is Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler 
not prisoners. <laughs> I almost put this role on my list too. I actually, right before the podcast, took him off. I was like, well, he'd be in my 10, but not my five. So that's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny that both situations for my number one TV and movie were like almost on your list. And then you're like, eh. <laughs> if we did top tens of tens for these ones, we would have had those matches for sure. That's funny. Yeah, I just, I really think back about this performance like this one that it came out in 2014 so the first half of the decade and I still think about it every now and then just how creepy and weird it was and kind of gross and like I don't Nightcrawler is just such an interesting movie because he's playing a videographer in true crime journalism and he's like always on the hunt to be immediately at the scene so he can take like the first and the best shots and then sell them to news organizations and like before I watched that movie I didn't even realize that that was like a career or an industry like I didn't know that <laughs> like I didn't realize it so watching this movie it was a mix of like oh my god, is this, is this really happening in the world? With like, yeah, no, I believe this is totally real because the world's crazy. Um, I don't know. It's just so interesting to me because to me for a very long time, Jake Gyllenhaal, I regarded him as like, you know, in the pretty boy roles and like, yeah, he's fine. People like him, but like, eh, he doesn't, how, you know, yeah, he did Donnie Darko and Brokeback Mountain, but how complex is he of an actor? He did, you know, Prince of Persia, I'm like, whatever. Um, and it was Prisoners and then this that, like, really taught me, like, I've been so wrong. He's an amazing actor. Like, he's, he's phenomenal. And this just is such a weird and creepy role. And to me, showed him in, like, a whole new light. Um, his eyes in the movie stick with you. It's just, and it's like not gimmicky at all, right? Like, it's just like these really creepy eyes that like come across very disturbing. Yeah, no, he's an actor that I think over the 2010s really showed that he should be taken seriously. If, if for some reason you weren't before, just for the fact that uh, Prisoners, uh, also an enemy, uh, which is the movie right before Prisoners for Denis Villeneuve, the director, um, for, like you said, Nightcrawler, which I think he should have, I'm pretty sure he was nominated for, but yeah, incredible. Um, but like just back to back to back, like all these great performances, um, and then closes out the decade as Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> which he was really, really great at, and like I oh, really yeah. enjoyed that, like it, just all around his performance was fun and like terrible at the same time, like he's just, he brings so much dynamic to his characters. Yeah, um, which I'm even gonna look what else he did during the 2010s, because like I'm just thinking like this was, inc uh, so far just what I listed, I'm like this is an incredible decade for him <laughs> yeah like, truly and like this was the decade where it's like oh we all realize like yeah no he's actually really really great like actually truly and like yeah it's interesting like i said like broke back and donnie darko were like in his filmography but it often got overlooked by like the day after tomorrow and like all these like really weird like hokey kind of movies he did probably you know just for the paycheck which like no judgment um and i just looked it up he actually was only nominated for a Golden Globe for Nightcrawler. He did not get an Oscar nomination. Oh, is, what a robbery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, truly. So here's a list of movies, and I'm going to skip some 
but like these are just like the good ones that he did in this decade uh love and other drugs i heard was good uh source code i think was good end of watch um, oh yeah prisoners enemy nightcrawler uh i think i heard southpaw was okay that boxing movie he was in um nocturnal animals i heard was good he yeah he's really good uh, i heard that you know uh, i saw a bit of his role in okja i thought was kooky um yeah. stronger i remember he got some attention for oh yeah and then like you said also spider-man far from home in a role that like when they cast him as mysterio i'm like what that doesn't seem to fit totally did and that was like leaving out probably a good handful of other roles that he did but th those were all just from 2010 to 2019 <laughs> yeah it's like he was taking like a lot of risks and a lot of it seems like roles that people would have not thought he could live up to and he proved time and time again like no i'm actually really good you guys like you've been wrong <laughs> like i can do this y'all just think about the day after tomorrow and that's on you but like uh, he's yeah he's just really I'll, good i'll always remember him as uh homer hickam in october sky <laughs> yes october sky isn't he bubble boy too <laughs> he is he's bubble okay yeah like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so like for a very long time in my mind and it seems like a lot of other minds he that like those roles definitely overshadowed like his true talent and then this yeah. decade we were like okay all right yes so nightcrawler to me was like i it's just one of those performances that is so slimy and so creepy and so gross but and something he, about it is just so fascinating to watch and he's only 39 so like he has so many more years of great acting to do and um, i will say too like this is so vain i will just say it anyway like a decade ago he was known as like the pretty boy and like the like handsome guy i will say he has aged so well he <laughs> looks his best currently like <laughs> yes good for jake gyllenhaal like <laughs> killing it but Get i will it. say too that like um, I was very, very excited for the follow-up movie that he did with the director of Nightcrawler called Velvet Buzzsaw, and it came out on Netflix, I think, last year, and that was a horrendous movie. It was super boring, not great. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> but like, um, but he was great. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal was, was still fantastic in it, even though the movie itself was like a total letdown. So that's yeah. my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. I hadn't heard of the movie until I kind of skimmed over it when I was looking through filmography. I'm like, haven't heard of it. Probably wasn't great. Yeah, uh, I was like, please don't mention that one because that was a, that was a rough one. But not for him. Like he was great. He was fine. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So uh, do you want to quickly say your five for movies again? Yeah, let me just run through it one more time. Um, so number five, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. Number four, Anton Yelchin in Green Room. Number three is Paul Dano in Prisoners. Number two is Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. And number one is Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. Awesome. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was another one I was going to say was almost on my list. Probably if there's a 10. Um, <laughs> so like I said, if we did done 10... Uh, just for movie actors, we would have had a few matches. Um, all right, so I will go ahead and jump into my uh, top five movies. Uh, this one, 
Um, he's someone I think should have gotten nominated uh, at least two to three times um, because he played this role in three different movies. Uh, Andy Serkis uh, doing the motion capture performance for Caesar in Rise, Dawn, and War of the Planet of the Apes. This is a really interesting choice, actually. And, like, I totally... I, like, respect it. Like, yeah, absolutely. every year he was in one of those movies, which I believe it was 2011, 2014, and 2017 or 18. I never understood why. Like, sure, I get it. They're, like, they're claiming that motion capture, it's not fully him because computers are involved. But you can't deny that not everyone can make it so emotionally compelling to motion motion capture perform as an ape <laughs> and there's many of these movies where he doesn't speak he does either sign language or just all facial expressions and to carry movies like that on uh, three different movies i just obviously he was Go uh, Gollum and Smeagol in the Lord of the Rings movies but i just think that the caesar role was incredible and i every year when he wasn't nominated at the awards i'm like i think we need to consider this for best actor or best supporting actor whatever you want to put it as because it's so good and i think it shouldn't just be about whether the person is real or not same with like voice performances i think should be considered um i just don't get why they can't get past that for awards but either way watch those three movies they're all underrated um, very good, especially for his acting. So Andy Serkis. I was like, oh, sorry. I would no, just say no. like I would so agree with that. What is very interesting about Andy Serkis is I feel like he is not really taken seriously, even oh, no. though he's like at all. Which is and like I'll admit too, I have been like guilty of not taking him seriously or like not like respecting him as much or thinking about him as much just because like you don't see his face a whole lot like right? really <laughs> except for like black panther he very like rarely is acting in as his own face um but yeah like as time went on and we see like where movies are with technology like we should definitely pay more respect to like motion capture actors like that because they are doing something that like requires a lot of imagination and you're right, like, he is playing an ape that can't talk, but Caesar is very emotional to watch, and yeah, just, I, I find it very interesting that, like, we didn't take him seriously, or kind of thought, like, all right, you playing around with your motion capture over there, like, good job, yeah. but, like, it's truly, like, very good acting. Yeah, and, and that's what I really wanted to emphasize, and, and, and you definitely said this, uh, uh, agreed with me, that it would be different if he was doing motion capture and like just playing a, a person. But he's, so it's not like Adventures of Tintin when they did motion capture. Like this is him being an animal and then being an animal going through this change where he's becoming an intelligent and then eventually learns to speak, does sign language and so forth. Like that can't just be done by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, of course, there's, like you said, the argument of, like, well, there's some animation involved and, like, computers and stuff, but, like, the facial expressions are from him, and, like, yeah. those, like, can, could you do a face of an ape sad? Like, I can't, yeah. like, I don't know how to, you know, 
So exactly. like, yeah, I, I think that we, we should have respected him a lot more then. Hopefully we will now. And like people go crazy when you mention the name Snoke, but like, <laughs> you know, he's always playing these roles that are like, how would you even begin to act that? And like, he just can do it. Yep. And do it well. Um, so yeah, that's my number five. My number four, uh, I'm going to mention an actor who, uh, two different movies uh, that I wanted to acknowledge as Michael B. Jordan, um, not just for Black Panther, but for Creed. That's a, yeah, he's, he's great. He's wonderful. <laughs> I, they, I almost put him on, um, oh God, I forgot what movie now. I almost put him on my list for a completely different movie. Like he's, he just always kills it. He's great. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah. I think the, obviously like he was a great compelling villain, or if you want to consider him almost an anti-hero type uh, deal in Black Panther. That was like the thing everyone talked about after that movie, even though Chadwick Boseman and so many other actors and actresses were great in that movie. Everyone was talking about him because he did it so well. Um, and then I think Creed doesn't get enough attention because it's kind of lumped in with like, oh, it's just another Rocky movie. I'm like, no, it's different. It's a di like Ro Creed 2 got into more the formula of the old Rocky movies, but the first Creed movie that came out in 2015, it was like my favorite movie that year. I think that he really took a different approach to um, a lead character in that type of film. So yeah, Michael B. Jordan uh, had to give it up for both those movies. Uh, my number three um, is Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys. That's a good choice. Yep. Good I, choices all around. You're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good. That, that movie. My people. <laughs> that movie was my favorite movie of 2016. The Nice Guys is wildly underrated, written by Shane Black. Uh, he has incredible chemistry with Russell Crowe, but he is so funny in that movie. But then there's a thing that they do with his character that later on in the movie, it's so subtle that makes you feel so bad for me. You're like, oh, that's why he's an asshole. <laughs> So I think he played that uh, role so well. There's plenty of other roles that he was great at in uh, the 2010s, but I just think Nice Guys doesn't get enough acknowledgement. Um, and I can watch that role and that movie over and over and over again. Um, so number two, I kind of cheated a little, um, but I tried to make it somewhat fair. You did some cheats last episode. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I, che I cheated too. It's only fair, you know. So I picked two actors from the same movie. Okay. I'll try to count it. as one because <laughs> yeah. they're both supporting roles, so they're not in the whole movie. They're actually both in about half of it. Um, and that's both uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Leo DiCaprio in Django Unchained. Yep. Leo yeah, again, great choices. Killing <laughs> it with the choices here. Leo, I have been upset since 2012 why he wasn't nominated for Best Supporting Actor as an incredible villain. Um, yet they gave it to Christoph Waltz in Django Unchained, which like he wasn't bad, but Leo was just a role we've never seen him like that before. He was always a hero, or at least like an anti-hero. But this way, he's a full-on hateful villain. And then what's so funny, Samuel L. Jackson has been pretty much a similar role in almost every film he's done. He's in a lot, whether it's really shitty movies like Snake on a Plane or... Uh, Do just... not call Snakes on a Plane a shitty movie. 
It All is right. a cinematic classic. How dare you? <laughs> I haven't seen it fully through, but it's anyway. <gasps> I I, I had to, I had to think of something. Uh, anyway, I think that he's very. I don't want to say one note in a bad way because he's compelling. It's just they're like, hey, this is your thing. Just please do your thing again. Yeah, Whereas, and that's why we love him. That's why we love him. But in this role, uh, he is almost just as hated i think as leo in this movie because he has to do a rare thing where his character like he's obviously a black actor um his character is like a slave but also is pretty much racist against other slaves because he thinks he's better because he's like been there so long and has rose up in the ranks of being a servant and i just think that that's such an interesting role for him because he's so like god i hated both those people in that movie um but yeah i think that uh both those roles in that movie were incredible i couldn't pick just one i had to give both of them props and so i kind of lumped them together in my number two pick did you have out of those two did you have a more favorite of those um i mean it's really really hard I would have to say Leo though, just, and that's really difficult too. And it's really only because like he gets to get so deep with how evil he is in a way that like Samuel Jackson kind of, and this is neither of their faults, like just who the characters are, didn't get a chance to go like full on evil, but like Leo gets to just kind of get go unleashed and just go bonkers and so evil and of course <laughs> like there's the iconic like he you know put his like slams his hand on the table and then he's actually bleeding and he's just like still going and it's just so deranged and like that is just oh man it's it's hard to top that in that whole movie and you're right like i it just as you mentioned it right now i completely forgot that christoph watts was able was nominated or did he, he won win? best he supporting actor win? that's yeah like he's fine he's a good actor but like he was obviously much better in inglorious bastards but like yeah no no leo was exponentially <laughs> better just or sam jackson both of them i would have preferred yeah, yeah i would agree just because they had a lot more to do really and yeah. yeah yeah that's weird looking back that's not that's not right that's not right <laughs> no <laughs> so my number one is a movie, it's from a movie that was uh, my favorite in 2017, uh, one of my top of the decade, uh, this performance uh, he did in various movies for 17 years, that is Hugh Jackman in Logan. I should have known. I should have known this would have been your number one. It, do you blame I, me? No, I'm just saying, like, I'm disappointed in myself for not have clocking that and, like, knowing that that's what the number one would have been. Of course, duh. I think for a little while it wasn't on my list, not because that I didn't want it, but just because I, I just wasn't thinking about what year that came out um because it just feels like yesterday uh <laughs> yeah that i saw it three times in theaters love that's movie i've seen the most in theaters um i think i've said it before on this podcast many many times but for playing a character in like eight or so movies sometimes a supporting sometimes a cameo sometimes the lead uh some bad some great 
for his final performance in this role as Logan slash Wolverine to be without a doubt the best performance that he did of the series. And think about that, 17 years. He first played Wolverine in 2000 <laughs> and then played it in 2017. <laughs> That's, crazy. That's insane. Truly, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone else played a role like maybe besides like I don't know the guy who played Dracula or something? Anyone played the role there a role that many times for almost twenty years? <laughs> in movies too, like not in a TV show. Like yeah, I wonder who else has done anything like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I can't. Uh, there's a scene in particular. You probably all know it if you've seen it, but like it's gonna probably make you cry or close to cry um uh he's so good in it and what i loved about it too was it wasn't just his performance but like he really championed making this movie with james mangled the way they did they made sure they wanted it rated r they wanted it to be more brutal they kind of wanted the wolverine which was the one that came out in 2013 uh to be like this but i think they weren't quite allowed and so finally they convinced fox like hey give it less of a budget like you don't have to give it a full budget like you do the x-men movies like give it a smaller budget um just let us please tell it the story we really think they could pull it off and like they let it happen because the year prior uh deadpool was big at the box office for a rated r and they're like okay so action movies and uh movies like this can be rated r and still make a ton of money and i'm so glad that like they trusted hugh jackman they trusted james mingold uh and yeah it's incredible one of my favorite movies one of my favorite performances of 2017 i was tempted to even put patrick stewart on my list for logan as well um but hugh jackman you can't help but just be impressed how like I said, his best performance in 17 years was the final film. And also out of the trilogy of Wolverine movies, <laughs> the third one's the best one. And out of all the X-Men movies he was in, like the last one being the best one, like that just is crazy. <laughs> yeah, like he really went out on top after 17 years of playing it. Like he performed the best at the end. Yeah um i think it's a uh, it's i i hope it's a movie that people don't just lump it and we've talked in this show a lot about horror movies not being taken seriously um i don't like that people ca would call this like a superhero movie because it's not it's like a western character piece drama with action in it um that happens to star characters with powers but it's not a superhero movie i think people will regard this right up on the top of the list with Dark Knight as best movies based on a comic book of all time. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it's just a fantastic movie and the way he performs in it. And it's just like a very beautiful and, and impactful send off for the character. Yeah. Another person like many, I think on our list that should have been nominated. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't think, do we have, anyone that's been nominated oh well philip seymour hoffman and daniel kalua on my list but i don't even they didn't even win which yeah. is just uh, <laughs> ugh, nonsense 
nonsense. So yeah, my number five was Andy Serkis in the Planet of the Apes movies. Number four was Michael B. Jordan in Creed and Black Panther. Number three was Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys. Number two was Leo DiCaprio and Samuel L. Jackson in Django Unchained. And my number one was Hugh Jackman in Logan. Good, good choices. We did not have a single cross crossover, but close. <laughs> Many occasions. A couple times got close, but not this time. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting that we had so many actress crossovers, but not yeah. this time. Not this time. But yeah, guys, we would love to hear your uh, thoughts on the 20 different performances we chose. Were there some, uh, some that you think we totally snubbed or missed ourselves? What are your favorite performances of the 2010s? Um, and yeah, like I said, please reach out to us for episode uh, topics that you want to hear us discuss. Um, Jess, where can they find you on the social medias? I am at Jessquaz, J-E-S-S-K-W-A-Z-Z on the socials. So come find me. Yeah, and I converted my Twitter. I am officially on Twitter and Instagram as Brandon Prosek. <laughs> big change big change growing up <laughs> um so you can follow me there and then you can follow entertainment buffet um whether it's uh our production company or the podcast on youtube on facebook twitter instagram uh, or email us entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com for topics you want to hear us discuss and yeah guys um, we hope you're all staying safe out there and you hope you're enjoying these new uh, video podcast versions that we're making available. But please rate, review, subscribe, support us. Um, and we want to keep uh, doing our best to entertain you during this crazy time. Yep. <laughs> That's a, that was a good ending. I didn't want to add anything more because it was like a really good ending. I kind of want to leave this in. Yeah, sure, sure, yep. sure. I just didn't... <laughs> I just felt like I was going to say something, but I was like, no, nah, that's a perfect ending. So I'll just leave a second of silence and just go, yeah, that's good. That's a good ending. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, now I'm curious what you were going to say. <laughs> I don't even know. I was just going to be like, yeah, like, I, I hope, you know, we can entertain you. But you said that and you said it very well. So I was like, <laughs> he did it. It's great. Okay. He did the thing. <laughs> he did the thing very well. I don't need, I don't need to add anything <laughs> <more>. <laughs>